When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's an exciting opportunity for us to now um, sort of set off in a new direction, um, play football and create an environment that uh, embodies the values and traditions of this fantastic football club. Benton Through for Pedro Toro. And he smashed it in! Oh, that's a great stop from Vicario. And Kurosevsky rolls it in! Lascelles are freshly introduced and scoring! Now skip! Pechaco Romero. He is trying it again and wins it. Great work from Romero. Could this be a chance for Sonoma? That is quite something from James Madison. Hello and welcome to the last one on Spurs, your award-winning Tottenham Hotspur podcast, where therapy, to some degree, is back on the cards following that late, late draw up at Goodison Park that at the time I'm still recording this does feel like a defeat especially on the back of the fact we've seen Aston Villa thump Sheffield United by five goals to nil which does see Villa overtake us now in that Premier League table and move into that fourth spot where they stand at the moment on 46 points Spurs of course dropping down to fifth now respectively on 44 points in relation to the game itself, I think that my take on it, far too many subs in the end for me disrupted our rhythm. And then we ultimately lost control of that game. Really poor last 15 from all concerned. I think we can definitely point towards game management, the substitutions that Tottenham made, and ultimately as a whole, just not killing that game off. To try and bring some balance to it, I think again, worth considering Tottenham are still five points better off than this stage last season. And also when you consider the fact we've lost significantly a number of players due to both injuries and suspensions, we have to hope with players coming back, the likes of Sonny, the likes of Basuma, who we know will be back very, very soon, following Mali's exit from the African Nations, that Tottenham will hopefully become a stronger side over the course of these next few weeks, of course, just having the league to focus on. And important to add, Spurs now, of course, the next three games are all at home in games you feel are winnable for Tottenham. But look... Vass, I'm going to come round to you to start this show. Vass, give me your take on that result up at Goodison when we consider the fact that Spurs were, as we've said on a number of occasions this season, moments away from securing all three points. But then yet again, a late, late goal has denied us all three. Thoughts on the game for you, Vass? I thought we struggled for control of that game. We had some in the second half, which was good. It calmed things down. Um... Everton went full on Burnley, didn't they? Uh, especially in the first half. They were just long balls in behind the wing backs, crosses, corners, set pieces. Uh, and we struggled to cope and we struggled to actually get the ball under control and move it through midfield. Uh, when we did, we scored a couple of goals. Two goals that were probably worthy of winning any game, in fairness. But we conceded two sloppy goals from set pieces. Very sloppy, I have to say. Um, and it's cost us a point at the very end. And I mean, we were saying 
just off the uh, off air just now, Jace was saying you should never underestimate the way point, and he's absolutely right about that. But it's just the manner that we just let the game drift away in that manner, and I think we we sort of just struggled to make our passes and, and move the ball through midfield, like I said, and and, and towards the end there, I mean, just before that equaliser, which was really disappointing. I mean, both Richarlison and Kulisevsky had an opportunity to retain possession and, and move us up the pitch a little bit and both ran into Everton players and Kulisevsky gave a free kick away. And it's the kind of thing you just don't need in those last moments, you know, giving them more set pieces. So in the end, disappointing, regardless of the um, the performance, unfortunately, Rick. Yeah, I mean, Jace bringing you in. Look, it's a really frustrating two points dropped and a missed opportunity to put that pressure on the likes of Arsenal and Man City. Now, look, again, trying to bring some fair balance here. You know, Ange has done this a few times where substitutions have been really, really good under him. Sometimes they have been a bit poor and questionable. Yeah, again, today we see Spurs replacing, you know, virtually the whole midfield late in the game. And ultimately, you could say we lost control of that game towards the end. I don't think you can make that many changes late because it is so disruptive to the team. I mean, give me your thoughts overall on the result, the performance, and also Angie's subs there, Jace, for you. I thought the result was was probably the fair result. Um, you know, we were probably slightly the better side second half. They were the better side first half. You know, 2-1 at half time flattered us, didn't it? Let's be honest. Um, they'd look more likely to score than we did. So, you know, and, and yeah, you, should, you shouldn't, ever undervalue uh, an away point, but it, it always feels frustrating when when it comes to late. And, you know, we, we had that with Wolves earlier in the season, but over 38 games, you'll score some 90th minute winners like we did at home to Sheffield United and at home to Liverpool. And you'll concede some 90th minute equalisers. That's just, that's just the way. It's not Spursy. It's what 19 other teams in the division do at times is, is concede late goals and score late goals. So, um, but just frustrating. I think, you know, with the substitutions, if I, if I go back to, to Wednesday night with Brentford, we had control of the game and perhaps the criticism was we didn't kill, you know, we didn't keep control of the game against Brentford and we kept going forward. And I think he's, he probably thought of that and we kind of went the other way today. We're bringing Skips on and, and Saar came on and we took Werner off and we took uh, Madison off. And so I think he's tried to tried to see the game out, but then you've seen what the problem is sometimes if you deliberately try and see a game out, that you can invite that little bit of extra pressure. And we're right, you cannot against an Everton side that was a threat from set pieces, and only really set pieces all game, is concede a, a sloppy, silly foul so late in the game. And it, it was Wolves all over again. And thank God that we, uh, we didn't concede another one on top of it. I think the Man City game has given us... A little bit of a problem with Vicario in that teams are now spotting that get in front of him and he's perhaps not... He's like most goalkeepers that come from overseas new to the league. They're, they're used to getting fouls in those situations and perhaps he, he looks to be fouled rather than really dominate the ball. And, you know, other teams will have looked at City. They'll have Everton will have looked at the City goal. They, other teams now will look at the, the Everton set pieces today. The problems we've been under, you can sure David Moyes is, is getting Suchek and people like that to, to get ready for exactly those scenarios. So we've got to learn from that. Maybe Vicario doesn't want someone in front of him because he, he feels he can get to the ball easier if there's less bodies there. But then he's got to go and get the ball, not look for the foul and just go down sometimes. So there's, there's lots of things to learn from it. 
at the other end, Richarlison, two two fantastic finishes. Great to see him. You know, it's ten Premier League goals for him now, and we're you know in the first week of February. So that's that's the player we thought we bought. So there, there's good things to come from the game. There's disappointing things, but. You know, it is what it is. That's the thing, Jason, isn't it? Sometimes you look at the frustration of the missed opportunities where we see it every weekend. There's an opportunity to build amongst teams that have dropped points. And unfortunately, you know, when you do go first on the weekend, that is the frustration you've got now to wait and see how the other teams play out, right? Yeah, of course, of course that happens. But like I say, we've we've won games in the 90th minute. We've, we've conceded in the 90th minute. All the teams will do that. Uh, Man City lost to Arsenal, didn't they, in the 90th minute or something. So, yep. you know, it can happen to all teams. Can happen to all teams. It was late last week. It was late, late today. It was late against Wolves. But you know, you just have to learn from your mistakes. The frustrating thing is, it was a stupid free kick to give away. We didn't need to give the free kick away, and That's you invite true. the pressure. And if the team puts the ball in the box late on, surely chances come. Yeah, I mean, look, points being made here from the from the uh, viewing audience here. Brett Cracks bringing you in. You look, seeing two goals to United, Brentford, and Everton. You can't score three to four every week and expect to win. And again, mm. a lot of the murmurs of the fact that I think for Tottenham now, that goal against Everton late on does mean now Spurs have conceded eight goals in injury time, the most in the Premier League. It is a worrying stat and one you can't get away from. And again, when you look at Spurs' defensive record, which I mentioned in the green room to you guys, Spurs now, they've conceded 27 goals in their last 14 games. We've only Sheffield United and Forested in more in that time. Now, Cracks, I think you might have been there or around it at the time, but in the reverse fixture... Spurs were literally seconds away from conceding a stoppage time equaliser against Everton. Mm. I was there, and yeah. to be fair, I mean, on that day, you might have been really unlucky to not have come away with a point. But, you know, we have to make that point, as Jason mentioned, against Brentford and Burnley, it nearly happened too. It does feel, you know, cracks, you know, goals against us are fairly, fairly going to be an obvious thing under Ange. And that's not a disrespectful way. I just think the way Tottenham play, they are an open, expansive team, which does give the opportunity to teams to plan the counter. But the frustrating thing about today is, it's an Everton side that relies so much, as Jason Vassar said there, on set pieces. Mm. And, you know, since that Man City game, there is a concern with Vicario, which we'll come on to. But just to add on the point, it's so frustrating for the second consecutive season, we dropped two points at Goodison, which Jason, we always say, laughing and jokingly, it's quite a happy hunting ground for Tottenham. And it's now five seasons without a win there, Cracks. So how do you overanalyze that late, late draw up at Everton, which takes away two vital points for us? Yeah, it's it's game management, isn't it, Rick? It seems to be the next step that we've got to get to to grips with and uh, giving away, as I say, silly free kicks, giving away these late goals, bringing on Skip and Hill uh, against a team that's just going to be unloading bombs on you at the end of end of the game just seemed a bit... A, a bit mad to be honest, you know, just oh, sending a couple of ballet dancers it really into like a you know street dance, wasn't it? We are progressed, but there's a few little bits and pieces that we have just got to sort out. And as you say, the Vicario one, um, we I'd see in the comments a little while ago somebody saying that maybe our defenders just need to maybe defend him and protect him a little bit more. And during the game. Me and my lad Tom were watching it and uh, I said, why is Romero not just going and getting in a few of their defenders' faces? As as they're standing on Vicario, just go and give them, I don't know, just go and growl at them or something. You know, he's, he's a big lump. Just start getting in their ear a little bit. But yeah, we, we've just, we've got to learn to be just a little bit more 
a fighter and not boxer. I think just get a just get a little bit more balance. Hopefully it, it will come. But yeah, this conceding goals, you know, there, there's a lot being conceded. So things things do need to be to be looked at. So um yeah, disappointing, Rick. From where we was, we should we should have been easily seeing that that game out. I don't think Ange has, has got them subs right. Like I say, cracks. I just think maybe Vicario, when when they've discussed defending set pieces, that it's his preference that no one's there protecting him, so that he can get to the ball. And you'd, you'd probably have to run back the entire season. How many times has he got to a ball because? there's less bodies in the box. You you always notice it when you can see to it. He may well have taken 20, 30 corners in the course of the season where he's been able to get to the ball. Whereas if you start putting bodies in front of him, there's no chance to get to the ball. So, you know, it feels bad because it's happened twice in a, in a week type of thing. But like, like I say, you'd have to analyse the whole... It's a bit like the playing out from the back. Everyone jumps out when you play out from the back when you can see the goal. But if you've created 12 chances up the other end before that goal over the course of a few games, then you play out from the back. But it's always so it's always so noticeable when you suddenly concede one and, and everyone throws their hands up, why are we playing out from the back? And you forget all the chances and goals you've scored by doing exactly that thing. So it might just be that like I say, I get the preference that Vicario wants that to be the setup at corners. But he's got to like I say, he's got to learn if you want that, don't play for a foul. Because I think I didn't think last week's was a foul against him and I didn't think today's was a foul, but he, he's kind of looking for a foul to, to get himself out of trouble. But it's just an adjustment that he needs to make, that's all. It's no big criticism of him at all. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? We come to what now, the midpoint of the season, the space of a couple of games now, and this is where we're finding this out. You know, again, he's been absolutely fine for the last 15, 16 games. I mean, we'll come on to that in a very short space of time. But I just want to ask you, you've got a concern over the fact Spurs maybe to some degree, and it's not all games, because again, we know obviously at the moment they're holding this horrendous record of it being eight goals conceded in stoppage time. Is there an issue in terms of killing games off fast, or what do you put that down to in terms of the nature of the way Spurs are conceding late goals? Is it game management? Is it just unfortunately the rubber of the green? What do you say it's come down to mostly? Late goals aren't a problem as long as they don't cost you points, right? Mm. So if you've scored enough up the other end already, yeah, yeah. letting in a late goal isn't going to matter. Mm. Um, and I think we, we, we lose it we've lost some of our fluidity going forward that we saw earlier in this season. Uh, obviously, Madison and Benton are both working their way back to full fitness. Uh, Kulisevsky's form seems to have dropped off a cliff recently. Uh, even Udogi, um, who started the season so brightly, is he's uh, doing well. He set up one today, which was a great bit of play. But there are times when we're just running into the opposing team and we're not finding the way through. I mean, the last few games... Uh, my lads call them sweaty because they—it's sort of performances where you're just sitting on the edge of your seat, hoping for something to happen, yeah. when we're not making anything happen because we just keep turning over possession, keep giving the ball back to the opposition, and the more you do that, the more you invite problems for yourselves. And when you're playing against an Everton team who like to threaten you with set pieces, then giving away free kicks is something that you shouldn't really be doing. Um, and that's that's come to cost us. So, yeah, late goals are an issue. But if we find our fluidity and our play and can be more expansive and create opportunities up the other end, I mean, obviously, I think we're missing Son as well. That has to be said. But um, there's just something about the fluidity in our forward play that isn't there that's then 
inviting pressure on us because we're losing the ball in midfield and it's coming back at us all the time and we're trying to make clearances and it just feels like we're under more pressure than we need to be. We need to somehow find our feet and, and get back to controlling games better because we're not doing it at the moment. Just on that point, Cracks, bringing you in, you know, Everton are really good, I think, at resting control away from teams. You have to go through periods where you have to stay very disciplined, defensively and constantly aware about what might come, and you have to most certainly win those first and second balls. Now, in the first half, I think the one thing Everton were doing, similar to Brentford, was there was a physicality about them, right? They were trying to mm-hmm. bully us. And again, I think Spurs are going to have to try and get used to finding a way to navigate that. They did against Brentford in the second half. Do you have a concern, Cracks, that based on what we saw, again, you go back to that Brentford game, teams are going to deploy and be like that against Spurs and ultimately try and use that as a tactic to get results? Yeah, I, I think you're, you're spot on, Rick. To be honest, it's uh, there's a lot of teams that know can't really go toe-to-toe with us. So, so this is what they do. And you've just got to try and be smart and pick a way around that. It's uh, it's not easy, but it is it is doable. It's um, just a, a little bit wiser, a little bit smarter in in what we do. Um, but again, as I said, I think Ange is just putting this sort of Ange ball into them so much that they're finding it hard to switch within games to be able to to do that. So. But, you know, I think he'll find a solution to that. And um, he's a bright man. He would have seen what's what's needed and make some adjustments and uh, bring in personnel over the next couple of windows to maybe be able to to deal with that. Um, but, yeah, we, teams are definitely seeing ways that they can play against us, which will and are uh, effective. So... We we've just got we've got to overcome that, haven't we? We we've got to find a way round to be a little bit smarter, a little bit cuter. Um, but yeah, like I said, today not great, but generally we'd have all taken what we've seen thus far absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. this season. You know, yeah. so it's like don't don't throw the baby out with a bathwater, which I seem to say need three times every every show. It's uh. It's something something we have we have got we've we've got to work out. It's um I tell you what, I'd take eleven Van der Ven's today, wouldn't wouldn't you? I mean his performance oh. today was uh, was in, incredible, but that kind of tells a little bit of the story of the game as well, that Very he true. had to be I, I would have given him man in a match over Richarlison, but he's I mean, there's a man, I think, that has got that smartness that he knows he's gonna be a lot of balls over the top, recovery runs and making them, but he does it very coolly, very calmly. So it's almost like you've got to get a bit of Van der Ven into a few other um, personnel within the team um, to, to to overcome this. I think we've seen a little drop-off with a couple of players as well. Kulu at the moment doesn't yeah. look quite out. Benton Kua, doesn't look quite the Udoji's had had a bit of a game the other night today he was okay but there was a couple of moments uh, I'm not saying he was bad he's he, but it's he not, was not as good yeah, yes the, not as yeah. not as good so I yeah. don't want anybody to think like I'm saying Udoji is terrible but it's just he was he's not been as good he's not been at the level um so 
yeah, let's let's just hope that a few of those begin to find form again and uh, we can kick on from now. I don't think there's anything wrong there, Crax. I don't think you are. And again, like, there's got to be an element where we've come away with a 2-2 that really Spurs should see games out. And again, when you're going for the top four, I dare I say, looking to go above that level, these are the games that are away from home against Saab. No disrespect, Everton are in the relegation zone. I know they've come out of that now with a point so far this weekend. Our results dictate, but Spurs have got to see these games out. One thing I'll ask you, Jace, before we go into the game, just a bit more detail, is that ultimately... Yeah, that's, that's a little bit false, isn't it? Because they're 10 points less than they yeah. should have. So, uh, yeah, oh, they'd be a mid-table, listen, they'd be a mid-table team. And again, you'd, you'd argue maybe and say a mid-table team at Everton are points on a terrible result. But you know what it's like, Jase, when you're 2-1 up, yeah, you're going no, to die no, no. in acres of that game. Of course it is. Of course it's frustrating, yeah. Yeah, one thing I want to ask you, Jase, just about is the controller games. And many are suggesting the fact that that's the one thing missing in terms of that game today. We didn't have ultimate control. And um, what I will say is that, look, I think we've seen some great periods under Andrew of like 30, 40, 60-minute you know, periods of games. We yet to see a full 90-minute performance. Is that doable, do you think, under this brand of football? Or are there times that, because of the nature and the intensity of it, you are going to have to have a slight dip in games midway? Do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, I mean, I think Newcastle's about the only game where we were played really well for for the most of the game, I thought, mm. uh, Newcastle home game. But other than that, uh, we've either started slowly or we saw that at Brighton, didn't we, where we were appalling at the start. We finished badly or something. I think it's, I think it's more of a case of we, you know, there's still a long way to go with, with learning how to play it and getting the things right. And part of that, as well as with the with the disruption to the team at, at times, with playing two fullbacks at centre half, and you know, we've had a, a, a period here where we've had no Sar, no Bissouma, and, and such in midfield. Benton Kerr was out. He's now coming back from injury, so it's not surprising that he'll be up one week, down another week. And I think it's just, it takes you, you know, it would take a lot more time than people realise. And I think that the thing is, when you're trying to do that, and I go back to, to Pochettino's first season, which was which was very similar to this, where we got to a cup final that season, but we lost at home to West Brom, and we lost at home to Stoke, and we lost at home to Villa and things, where... I think what we're trying to do is to is to be better at the things he wants us to be good at. And if you start compromising on those principles to, to improve the things you're not good at, then you'll never improve the things that he wants you to be good at. So I think it's it's a question of getting the balance right. And he, he wants us to be better at doing the things that he knows we're capable of doing. Now, you know, our passing today at times was really sloppy. You know, that's what that's where the problems all start from, by giving the ball away, as Vass says, giving the ball to the opposition. Then that's when you start losing control of a game. So it's not necessarily that you're, that the tactics as, as such are causing you to lose control. It's your execution of the tactics. So I think it's it's a balance, like I say, it's a balance like playing the ball out from the back and things. You, you have to make those mistakes. You have to learn from them. But you have to keep persevering with them to become better at them, and I think that's where, that's where he is at the moment. But but you're right, we haven't. You know, there's a lot of games where, I mean, Brentford in the week, I thought we played well for 15 minutes only, but we've still got a result, and, and perhaps we're we're reliant a little bit on the quality of player that we've got, where Son might come up with a bit of magic, or Madison has, or or you know, others have come up with a with a a brilliant bit of play or a rescue tackle from Van der Ven from being a bottom half team type of thing. But I'm not, you know, I think it's, you just keep going with what we're trying to do. 
and uh, and get the things right that we need to be getting right, and then you start to look at the other sides. But but do the things you need to do first. And I think before the game, you'd probably think a point at Goodison's a good point, but with the way it panned out, I'm, I'm guessing otherwise. No, I wouldn't never say point's a good point. Uh, we're trying to win games of football, and uh, yeah, disappointing not to do that today. Uh, particularly conceding so late, I guess. But uh, you know, ultimately, we just got a cop that on the chin. What are your thoughts on the performance and the, the game in general? Yeah, look, it's it's not an easy place to come and try and play sort of fluently. Um, you know, for the most part, I thought we handled it okay. Um, you know, lost a little bit of composure in the first half. Second half, <coughs> I thought we, we played some decent stuff, created some good chances. Probably needed a third goal just to kill them off because, you know, in the last 10 minutes, uh, everything was going to go their way, and it did. And, you know, we had to deal with it. Um, unfortunately, we didn't deal with the last one. Though. It seems very difficult here, Ange, to sort of not get sucked into that sort of thing, which is, I guess is what you're talking about. Well, yeah, in, in some respects. But, you know, again, we, we can only control sort of ourselves and how we deal with things. And um, they're just little, little moments we could have dealt with better. On the on the positive side, Richie, again, two goals. I mean, second goal was outstanding. You, you said there's more to come. He, he looked good today. Yeah, no, Richie's been good for a while now, and not just his goals, his general play again today. I thought he worked really hard for the team, and um, yeah, the goals sort of, you know, his reward for that, and um, yeah, it's a credit to him. As I said, there's more to come. Hi, everyone. Crackers here with your 2024 Legends event update. Thursday, the 7th of March at Tillswood Golf Club in Surrey, Echo 61.co.uk have England legend Stuart Pearce. Friday the 8th and Saturday the 9th of March. Sandro is appearing in Limavady and Dublin respectively. That's Emerald Spurs events across the socials for tickets. Worcester Spurs at Worcestershire County Cricket Club. They have Harry Redknapp on Thursday the 14th of March. Friday the 15th of March at Dartford FC, South East Thames Spurs have Paul Stewart and Paul Walsh. H2O Legend Events.co.uk for tickets there. Monday the 18th of March, Sporting Experiences.co.uk have Glen Hoddle at the Wylots Theatre, Potters Bar, Hertfordshire. And finally, Friday the 22nd of March, Close Encounter.events have Harry Redknapp at the Penridge Suites, Arnus Grove, North London. So there's your update at Mr Cracknell across the socials for further info. Cheers. Mickey uh, Goodison and Mickey, you're outstanding, but I mean, that, that hits like a dagger to the heart, that, that goal right at the end there, doesn't it? Yeah, really disappointed. Uh, I think we played quite well. The second half first, we were a bit struggling. But second half, we have to kill the game, and then uh, we conceded a goal in minute 97, I think. Yeah, that's killing. I mean, what, what are they saying in the, in the dressing room at the moment? I imagine there's a, a few disappointed faces in there. Everybody was just disappointed, and yeah, we have to kill the game at the end, just play on their half. We let them attack at the last couple of minutes, and yeah, that's where they're strong to win some free kicks, to win some, some set pieces, yeah, and that's where they were really strong this game and then at the end yeah we let them come we have to push them back and just kill the game and that didn't happen what's it what's it like playing out there and you know when we got all that pressure coming on you at the end of the game yeah the the, the aerial stuff the corners the free kicks yeah the second half we, we spoke about it in half time and the second half we dealt with it really well uh 
of course, it's not allowed to give free kicks away at the, at the end of the game and some set pieces. And yeah, of course, it was they were really strong with it. But we have, what I told you, we have to kill it at the beginning and don't give them the opportunities to win these free kicks and just kill it in, in their half. Tell us about Richie. He's obviously come back to his former club, scored a, scored a couple of goals. Big day for him. And he's, he's, I mean, he's in fine form, isn't he? Yeah, Richie played really well. He scored some two important goals for us. And uh, it's unlucky for him that, they, that he can, yeah, get away here with three points and two goals. It's a match win. Hurts, right? Sorry? I said it hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, it really hurts, yeah. Thanks for talking to us, pal. Thank you, thank you. See you soon. Yeah. Joined by Richard Cracknell. I didn't went uncracked there again. Um, Jason McGovern and look, Vasconi, Dr. Tottenham's very own. When a doctor is here, we can't get many results. We've realised that. <laughs> but Vas was here for Burnley, can I remind you. So we did get that jinx off our back. Um, guys, just very quickly in relation to the team for this one. Now, um, Spurs making a couple of changes ahead of the game where we saw, of course, uh, Deanne Kuliseski drop down to the bench. Pat Matasar back in the squad following his return from the African Cup of Nations. Brennan Johnson once again restored to the starting lineup after the case of scoring in the week against Brentford. And, of course, we saw for Tottenham there a team line up of Vicario, Porro Romero, Van der Venadogi, Benson, Corhoibier, Madison, Johnson, Richarlison, Werner, the bench of Forster, Dragashin, Emerson, Davis, Skip, Saar, Kuliseski, Hill, Scarlett. Must make that point. I think it's Hoybier, of course, coming back into the side there. And Vass, will come over to you. Um, team was going into it. Was you fairly happy with that? Kuliseski dropping down to the bench? Yeah, because I, I don't think he's been the, Kulis, the Kuliseski that we all sort of fell in love with last season. He's really... I know he was out a little while for with illness, um, and since he's been back, he hasn't looked the same. I don't know if there's something still bothering him, but he's looking a little bit lethargic. His passing isn't there, his hold-up play isn't there, and it's just and the way he gave that um, free kick away at the end, it was just so sloppy. So no, it didn't surprise me to see him on the bench. Uh, and as for Saar, I thought he'd probably start on the bench. I, I couldn't see mm. him just coming straight into the side either. So pretty much. Um, as expected, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, in relation to obviously the way Spurs started that game, they had the perfect start. Finish from Richie, confidence flowing through him now. 10 for the season for Richardson now. Spurs have scored more away away goals, 26, than any other team in the Premier League this season. And the only team to have scored in all of their Premier League games this season. Uh, it was lovely, great work from Tottenham after the lovely work from Hoybier Werner in the build-up with a doggy as well to see Richie put the ball in the back of the net with some quality as well. Obviously, no celebration from Richie on his return to Goodison Park. And when you look at Richardson's overall form now, it's the first time in scoring four consecutive league games since 2021. And again, we mentioned that point, nine goals in his last eight Premier League games. I just want to just come over to you. Does Richie's reign of form give you the confidence that he could maybe be Tottenham's long-term answer to that centre-forward that we've been looking for? I don't think he's ever going to be a striker that scores 25 goals a season. Um, but that, that takes him to 10 now. We can push up to... 18, 18 to 20 goals a season and and others are chipping in, then then I think, you know, you don't have to have a bloke who scores 30 goals a season. I mean, Chelsea have won the league in the past with people that have scored the top scorers like eight or nine, but you've got mm. goals from all, them, all the attacking players. And if Richarlison gets 18, but you get, you get you know, 15 from Sonny and you get eight or nine from Madison and things, then, then it is. I still think his hold-up play needs to, needs to tighten up. Um, there's times when he's a little bit sloppy in possession and I mean, you know, part of them scoring that late equaliser was him losing the ball as well today. So 
but you know he's he's looking a much better player than we saw six months ago, isn't he? I think his his confidence is up. I think he's mentally settled a little bit more off the pitch and on the pitch and things like that. Um, he can do a job for us, that's for sure. I'm not sitting there thinking we've got to go and spend 70, 80 million on a, on a brand new striker. But like I say, if he gets 18, 20 goals a season, I think you can live with that. But uh, it's just that general all-round play that I think you need to tighten up on a little bit. Absolutely. Vass, if I can come round to you, then we'll go to cracks in relation to the Vicario situation. Now, I'm asking you this, Vass, as you obviously, you know, a proudly qualified referee over there by the referee in standards. Um, we've got a few stills here that we're going to show for our watching audience. Now, um, it was obviously becoming clear very, very early on that Everton were trying to wrestle Vicario into the net from corners. And it's obviously now becoming a target since we mentioned since that Man City game in the Cup. Now, the first still that we're showing for our watching audience here is in the build-up to this Everton goal coming. Now, at the time, this wasn't deemed a foul. Um, you can clearly see there one of the Everton players all over Vicario, but it was allowed to happen. And then in the build-up to actually Everton getting the goal, we saw a wonderful recovery challenge by Mickey van der Ven, who, again, that's cracks it earlier, can't underestimate just how good that guy was on not just one, two, but three or four number of occasions. But Everton did get their equaliser, sticking with you, Vass, because um, Vicario could only palm a corner with Harrison backing into him across the face of goal. It's headed back across for Calvert-Lewin to nod in. Now, Vicario, as we mentioned earlier, is going to have every team now playing against him like this with regards to the rest of the season. My question to you, Vass, is number one, do you feel it's a foul? And number two, if it isn't a foul, do him and the goalkeeping coach need to do more to address the situation? Yeah, I didn't think the, there was a foul on the first one. In fact, um, on that previous still that you put up, it looked like that this one, it looked like there was more of a foul on Richarlison. You can see Godfrey there jumping on Richarlison's back in actual fact, preventing Richarlison from getting to the ball. And the ball then flies to the back post where, was it Tarkovsky or whoever just nodded it across? Um, so there was a foul there, but not on Vicario. I think as far as um, Vicario goes, Jace mentioned something earlier that I also mentioned on our podcast last week. And that was, I wonder if Vicario actually prefers it if there's no Spurs defenders around him so he can make a run for the ball. But if he's going to leave his, himself exposed in that way, then you need to get a Spurs defender in between him and the opposing player just to make it hard for the opposing players to back into him. And similarly, referees need to be looking out for it more. I mean, if opposing managers can see what's going on, then surely referees can see what's going on as well. And they probably need to blow for, for free kicks on occasion because, I mean, on this one, you, you've got clear backing in from the forward player there. Mm, and it's just, yeah, yeah, just carrying on consistently and he's getting no protection there at all. Mm, just on that word of protection, Kratz, come over to you. Uh, Everton, up until that goal, had four corners, all which have been put right under Vicario's head. Basically, in sense, the same as Nathan Ake's goal was against Spurs a few weeks back in the FA Cup. Is there an argument, Cracks, as well? I know you said earlier about the players have to do more around him. Should Vicario also be stronger to have someone push into his own box in the six-yard box there? What do you feel on that, Cracks? Yeah, I mean, the ref was letting so much go today. We've seemed to have just gone 180 with the keepers because if you stood anywhere near them, the refs always blew up and gave a foul um, for, for the goalkeeper. Now it just seems like it's a little bit bit game on. So if it's game on for the attacking team, then surely that also applies 
for the keeper. So if he needs to actually go and give somebody a within the limits wallop or be just as strong as them, then uh, then it, that, that should be that should be the thing the thing to do. I'm just wondering whether. On corners where I said maybe Vicario doesn't want anyone too close to him. If you get somebody like Romero stood in front of him uh, and trying to deal with any uh, strikers, attackers um, that are trying to get under his skin and leaning against him and Romero's there or one of the defenders are there to offer him a bit of protection, more or less right up until the moment the ball is struck, which invent the defender can move away and allow Vicario to make his runs. So he gets the best of both worlds in, a little bit of protection from his defender to see off anybody trying that tactic, but then also a bit of a clear run to try and get the run and jump to uh, to, ta- uh, to take the ball. So I don't know, it's just, it, it was weird. It was like today you could see that the ref was letting so much go where they don't, haven't been um yeah. but we never sort of wised up and clicked onto that and thought oh, okay well if you're letting this go then we can you know be a be a little bit more bastard here as well for want of a better word because he's letting stuff go and Everton took full advantage of it and we kind of didn't fight fire with fire, with fire. so yeah. Uh, you know, this is what I'm saying about a little bit of smarter management. It might need Ange to come over and speak to one or two of the more senior players and say to them, look, he's letting so much go here today. You can m- maybe try and step up and just be a little bit more in in your face in, in return. So up until a point, it's that fine line you've got to walk all the time, isn't it? You know, how much is too much? Can we go just to the limit? And that changes I, I, every referee as well. That's the problem. It changes every referee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, and I, I think... Like give a penalty away. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> this that, is the thing. Yeah, we yeah, see it as, a, as an overstep step of the mark. And... Uh, to be fair to Everton, that first goal, they done that right, pushed it right to the line yeah. of the acceptability before it was a foul, mm. and uh, and took and took advantage of it. So, um, Ricky, yeah. can you just hold the sorry, Alex, can you just hold that uh, still there a moment? Mm. That corner's been taken from the other side of the pitch there, yep. and we've got one, two, three, four, five, six of our defenders standing okay. at the near post, mm. right. And we've got three at the back post with three Everton players. You know, something's got to happen here. It's not just about Vicario. The whole team needs to mm. needs to defend these situations better, in my opinion. Cut a save, Vass, before Jason comes in there. Just to confirm, Vass, from your perspective, you think it's not a foul, right? Is this more of a tactic that teams are going to be doing more and more against us like this? Yeah, there were occasions when they, they were fouling and the referee could have blown. But I just think that on the on the first goal today, I don't think there was enough from Harrison uh, for a foul on Vicario. Mm. But as I mentioned before, I thought Godfrey did foul yeah. Richarlison, but it's the kind of thing that players seem to get away with for some reason, unless you're a defender, then you give away a penalty. Yeah. How did you view the goal, Jace, for you? I wouldn't have disallowed it. I, you know, I'm not anti a little bit of, of, of contact as such. I don't think every bit of contact is a foul. It drives me mad when I hear that phrase, oh, there was contact. So it doesn't mean it's a foul. It's never been a non-contact sport. I just think you've got to be a little bit stronger. I think you just learn it's, it's to do with your setup and things like that. And we have to to look at it. Because like I say, 
David Moyes is rubbing his hands. He's getting Suchek to be in exactly that position. Yeah, you, you know that. And there'll be one or two other teams doing it. But I think you've got to, as I say, you, you'd have to look at every single corner over the first 23 games and see how often we've set up that way and how often we've cleared the ball. And it's the fact that we've conceded two in the space of a week. It, it kind of brings it home to you. Whereas it, perhaps if one was in October and one was today, we wouldn't be focusing on it so much. But it's just, I don't think it's a massive thing. It's just a little tweak here and there. And I'm sure in the course of, um, <clears throat> over the course of the next seven days, they'll look at it, sit down and discuss it with Vicario. What do we want to do? Um, you know, backing in, I mean, you know, I look at the, the the Nathan Ake goal and lots of people said, oh, it was, who was it? Rodri, wasn't it? That was Rodri, Rodri, yes. Or Diaz. I think it was Diaz, actually. That was oh, Diaz, you know, well, he's backed into him. But if you looked at that, where the ball was going to drop was exactly where Diaz was. So, you know, he's entitled to go for the ball, Diaz, and he's entitled to put his body. He would have been right under the ball. It just meant Vicario couldn't get to it. But that's that's not a foul. So, like I say, just just look and tweak it. Ask, go through it with him. Do some corner routines, Monday and Tuesday type of thing, where you, yeah. you set up and and you get you know you you practice to defend in that scenario. And I don't think it's a I don't think you want to make a big thing of it, but it will get tested a lot over the course of the next you know, six weeks, other teams will constantly do it. Yeah, on these refereeing decisions, Dan said, look, it's obviously never going to be an easy game here. You've got to deal with a fair bit, but most of the time we handled it okay. In the second half, we had good chance and unfortunately needed that third goal to kill the game off. Unfortunately, Hmm. we couldn't hold out. It seems like referees just let things go nowadays and let VAR decide. We're so disappointed to concede so late. It seems like there's a trend with us that referees aren't prepared to intervene in those kind of situations. We have to accept that. The nature of it conceding so late doesn't give us the chance to wrestle it back. We just have to accept that. And I go, I think it's the first time actually we have seen Ange criticise referees on a certain level because I think to be fair, I think that's one thing many have said actually that Vass, I'll just ask you on that with referees and Ange that maybe because he set his precedence in such a polite way after the Chelsea game and said, look, we need to respect the referee's decision. I don't know whether that now rubs off on the pitch that referees are now almost not too concerned about giving decisions against Spurs. I mean, do you have a take on that for you, Vass? I think he's just created a little bit of a rod for his own back because, you know, you can't on the one hand say that you were taught to respect the referee's decision and then come out at some point and criticise the referee because then you just look like a hypocrite. Yeah. So he's got to find a polite way, as you just said, of um, making some points about the referee and without being overtly critical. Um, But, you know, protection comes in all all forms. I don't think uh, players like Madison... Uh, being protected, um, we, we had that little yeah, totally fast with, with with that lot down the road recently, weren't yeah. we? When when their yeah. coach was moaning about Saka not getting protected, um, and and Jace is right, there is an element of referees allowing things to go, um, because they got VAR to, to to sort of jump in and intervene, and it's making referees somewhat complacent because they've got this fallback option. And that shouldn't be the case. Referee should be refereeing the game so that VAR doesn't have to intervene or only intervenes when, when you know, something's clearly wrong. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, as far as uh, Ange goes, I think he knows what's going on. And I think we're all agreed he needs to take the rectifying action now. He needs to regroup the players and, and, and try and get over these issues that that seem to be affecting us. And we need to get back to keeping clean sheets because it's something not done for quite a while. That's, I mean, that is the key, isn't it? Just say that, Rick. I mean, you know, 
I've always said it. I, I hate hiding behind referees as excuses. You can you can say, could it be a foul? Couldn't it be a foul? But don't concede the free kick in the first place, and we're not talking about it being a foul. Always look at when, when you get your game perfect and you get every decision you make right in the game and you get every every bit of play right in the game, then you can start looking at criticising others. But when you criticise a ref for a for a subjective decision as well, it's not a... Some people would give it. Some people wouldn't give it. You know, it's not. It's not been a. It's not. It's not like he's jumped at Vicario with an elbow and knocked him flat on the ground or anything like that, is it? Don't give the free kick away in the first place. Don't invite the ball in the box. Don't give away stupid corners because decisions. When you invite decisions to be made, sometimes they'll go against you. It's simple, yeah. but but I hate the way that that. It's not just Tottenham. I hate the way ref. Uh, you know. Teams hide behind refereeing decisions when they get so much within the game wrong themselves. Pass the ball better. Take our chances. Don't give away free kicks. They're all the things that I'd focus on rather than looking at a subjective decision that a referee could make one way, couldn't make the other way. It's, it's simple. Don't hide. Yeah, no, I totally agree on that point. Um, Cracks, remember you, Spurs did recover. Richie put Tottenham back in front. I mean, what a finish that one was from the edge of the box. Pretty well mm. for Madders as well to set it up. Massive time for Spurs to score because... I've got to say, in that period, Everton had been on top of the game and Spurs were struggling going in to half-time. But for Richie now, again, we talk about the point now that ultimately, you know, the guy is much, much better in front of goal. His confidence is absolutely flying at the moment. And they go, you look at the point, you know, Spurs spent 60 million on him. He's four away now, Cracks, from matching his best hand in England being 15. It is amazing, Cracks, when you consider what a pain-free and good environment can do for the player. Do you feel he looks re-energised at Tottenham and vitalised and do you honestly feel for you now this can be the real real Richarlison that we're seeing now for Tottenham yeah his stats bear that out don't they Rick I think what is he nine in is he eight, nine or nine in eight so I mean that's that's a phenomenal return um the type of return in the Premier League that would probably see you in the hundred million pound bracket. So all of a sudden, if you continue in that form, mm-hmm. um, then sixty million quid looks cheap, doesn't it? Um, he had a lot going on, as we found out in his personal life and with injury. That seems to be behind him now. So long may it continue. He seems like a confidence player, the type of lad that you've got to get the arm round rather than kicking up the arse and uh, Angie's obviously managing that side of him well and um, yeah it, fantastic you just hope and pray that that, can, that continues because you, <laughs> if you're going to be conceding goals the way we are and you don't address that then you are really going to need his goals even more so um, just wondering how he is once Son gets back because there was that issue of where they sort of seem to play across each other a little bit. So hopefully he can find, stay in the groove along with Son coming back and scoring because we know Son, Son will do. He's a class class player. Um, so hopefully that combination with those two, they can find their own groove and, and way of working together. And the same with Madison and Bentoncourt, which is pretty much a new partnership. I think that was the first time they played together the other well. night. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they played together again today and it looked a little bit messy, but 
that's that's what you go into training Monday to Friday for, isn't it? To to sort of look at that. So I mean, there's two partnerships where you think to yourself, okay, they'll they'll work out. They're intelligent, and the and the trainers and uh, coaches will say, okay, look, don't do that. Do this. Do that. And hopefully that they'll find a way, both of those partnerships, because you need that midfield partnership to be able to feed that front yeah. two partnership, if you like. But um, now Richie does look, he looks a happy, settled player at the moment and stats are bearing that out. Long, long may it continue. His work rate as well, Rick, mm. is phenomenal. Absolutely yep. phenomenal. You know, he... He will go and, and, and shut down defenders as, as teams try and play out. He'll go and put pressure on the keeper to make a decision to, to you know, to make a clearance. And quite often that will end up being a throw-in for us somewhere near the halfway line. So he causes a um, seeding of possession back to us. So all, all round, he is, he's, he's been phenomenal. So it's just a shame that... Today he he wasn't you know the, the main story of getting the two and yeah. and that being those being the winners. So, uh, but I, yeah, I, I like him, really, really like him. Totally agree. That's just very quick on James Madison. You mentioned him earlier. No player in Europe now as top five leagues as providing more league away assists from home. This is then Madison. His record so far this season: twelve games, three goals, six assists. I mean, it does feel like a real weight's been lifted having him back in the side. How much are Spurs going to need to rely on him, given the fact that, obviously, with Sonny now, he may be away still now for a couple of weeks. Is it again where you need that creation of Madison to really help the team, given, of course, that the next 15 games to go are really critical for Tottenham in this battle for European football? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a key player for us, no, no doubt about it. And the, all the creativity seems to come from him, whether it's him directly or whether he's putting in balls for players to run on to it's he's the he's the one that can help us unlock defenses so yeah no no question in my mind Rick that um James Madison's got a key role to play for the rest of the season and hopefully he'll be up to speed again very soon I mean he had a good game today no question he had that one shot as well that Pickford pushed wide which was unfortunate um but yeah his vision and his uh his, his ability Creative ability on the ball is something that's going to be very key for us. I totally agree. And that's just a word on Richie. After the game, I said, look, he's been good for a while. Not just his goals, but his general all-build-up play. He really put in a shot in shift for Tottenham. How impressed have you been with this turnaround of Richardson's form post the operation? Yeah, well, he's um, he's made me eat some humble pie. <laughs> I mean, I, was, I wasn't his biggest fan for, for a while. Um, but how can you argue with what he's doing in recent games? He's He's been... He's been excellent. He's been grabbing the goals. He's been looking much fitter. He's chasing down defenders. He's back helping out defensively as well. He's, his hold-up play was always something that concerned me. wasn't very good, but that seems to be improving too. So, yeah, he's, he's been doing great, and I hope he, he continues to do so. I do agree. Look, and second half-wise, the frustration, I think, was there because of the fact that Werner was through on goal and shoot straight at Pickford. Again, I know Werner's only been here for a short amount of time and his assists have been, you know, really helpful to Spurs to get in the position they are in. But um, in front of the guy, I think, obviously, works needs to be done there. And again, if he can convert the assists into goals, then what a great sign he'll be for Tottenham in the second half of the season. Cracks picked up on it earlier. Mickey van der Ven. I mean, if anyone wants mm. to stand out from that game, along with Richie, as Mickey, mm. because the turn of pace he showed to halt Jack Harrison in the second half. And bear in mind how involved he was in the first half to stop the Corey as well. 
and um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I mean, that guy is just, oh, rapid to the way Spurs play cracks. And I think you said this earlier, I mean, we rely so much on that pace, don't we, from Mickey van der Ven, because of the way Tottenham want to play under Ange. Oh, he's uh, only only two things visible, man-made visible from space today. The Great Wall of China and the Great Wall of Mickey van der Ven, wasn't it? He was, it was just, remarkable. Just doesn't. And he, ne- he, he just never seems to be struggling, Rick, does he? He's just no. never... He never looks like he's scrambling or, you know, he, he reads the game well. And even even if he couldn't read the game as well as he does, his pace would get him out of trouble. Now you sort of combine the two things together yeah. of his reading of the game and the pace. Uh, he's he's absolutely top draw. And uh, you, you think to yourself, well, we've identified that going forward with with windows upcoming windows a youngish player not terrible amounts of money either if you can start to pick up three or four players in key positions in that van der ven mold of young but seeing something now that you can work with within van postacoglu's system then you really have got the backbone of a team, haven't you? So yeah, uh, it's it's a bit like with Werner. He's come in. It, it was a no-brainer of a deal. I think he's done okay. But uh, I think he's done well, actually, more than okay. Maybe now this the team that's putting together transfer targets is looking at a van der Ven type player or showing the stats of a van der Ven, but in that Werner role that, that can come in and if Werner's not to be the long-term answer, then all of a sudden you've you've dealt with that that position like they have with Madison. Madison came in obviously that was he was not an unknown. So no. um yeah, yeah he was he, he's he was phenomenal today. Just to rewind a little bit well I think we was talking about Richarlison and his goals where we really need to pick up if we are going to turn days like today into wins is you've got to start getting a few goals out of Averna. You've got to get a few goals out of Madison. You've got to get a few goals out of Kulu. This is exactly a uh, yeah. man you dominated uh, back in the 90s because they had that midfield that not only did they have strikers scoring, you'd have people like Skulls coming in with like just nicking those all important goals. And instead of one point, it was three points. So that's that's where we've really, really got up our game is to get that sort of trio quad uh, four four in that attacking midfield role, just nicking in with a with a vital goal here and now to take the pressure off the strikers. But yeah, Van der Ven, back to Van der Ven. Unbelievable today. Absolutely brilliant. What a player we've got there. I totally agree. Look, again, I think when you do have players that have been consistently consistent, Mickey Van der Ven has been that for Tottenham. Um, we're coming on to the subs now, but before we do, uh, Ben Godfrey on a yellow card, two yards away from the linesman, dives to the ground, zero contact. I mean, that was absolutely embarrassing. And even worse, if it just weren't even there to penalise him. Where was the second yellow? Where it led to him being withdrawn from the game. Again, these are all key things in football, key margins. Again, if that player goes off, Spurs are facing 10. Jase, come around. You touched on the subs earlier. Um, we saw Saar and Kuliseski replace Johnson and Benton Core, And then Hill and Skip replace Werner and Madison, coincidentally. Said it earlier, still maintain the fact for me, what, half an hour on here, that 
I just feel when you're replacing pretty much the whole of the midfield, you're tamping around with the back line, game away from home. It's a lot of changes to make. I feel it lose that fluidity and dynamic to the team. Is that fair for me to say in hindsight, looking at the way and one of those substitutions? I think it's fair, but it is with hindsight. Like I said, we, he got criticised in the week for losing control against Brentford and for, mm. for not trying to close the game down. And he's made a couple of decisions today with Dragazin coming on, with Skippy coming on to to try and close, maybe to try and close the game down. And you've got caught. So now he's wrong not to do it. And today he's wrong to do it. That's that's just the benefit of hindsight. Like I said, the, the big problem comes with conceding a sloppy free kick. If we don't concede that sloppy free kick, we're not really talking about the, the substitutions. And the, the sloppy free kick from Kulu is what's cost us more. And, you know, that that's not a defensive substitution, is it, to bring Kulusevski on? So, you know... It, Substitutions are great with hindsight, aren't they, to make them? You know, there was people thinking, why the hell is he bringing Brennan Johnson on in midweek and he scores the goal? So it can go both ways. Today it's gone against us. But like I said, I don't think it's necessarily the substitutions. It's that that sloppy free kick. And if we don't concede that, we're not moaning. No, you're right. And again, the game is predicted and deemed on, on margins. That's come over to you. And again, if Spurs don't concede the free kick at the end there, they've probably gone to win it 2-1 and we're not even having a conversation about the game management or the substitutions of Ange, but unfortunately we are. Romero heading in a free kick on and Branthwaite nodding it at the back post. Just to confirm that's for you, you see no issue in that goal right and it was rightly stood at 2-2? Um, I don't think so. I think the only thing that could have been argued was possible offside, but VAR had a look at that. Yep. Um, but Jace is right with the substitutions. I mean, you've got to bear in mind that two of the guys that went off, Benton Kerr and Madison, are coming back from injury. So they're, they're probably blowing out their backsides come the end of the game. So you you probably feel at some point it's safe to take them off, you know, even if it is on 86 minutes or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and, you know, Werner was not in the game very much. So you probably put Brian Hill on thinking that, you know, he's got more work rate for those last few minutes. And I think Ange is a little bit confused as to what to do with Dragazin because we've obviously spent some decent money on him. And getting getting him on to see out games is probably Ange's way of integrating him into the squad rather than have him sit on the bench. Whether that's right or wrong, you know, it's, it's all about opinions at the end of the day, isn't it? So I didn't have a big issue with the um, with the substitutions, and yeah, it's only because we conceded that last minute goal that everyone's talking about it. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, Vast. You feel again with us playing as we are and getting used to the style of play and into our groove that ultimately Spurs will find their way. I mean, Crack says about it earlier about defensively, you know, we can't keep conceding goals every single game and expect to get away with it. You know, again, we're up there now with considering, I believe, one of the most in the Premier League that we touched upon earlier. Spurs are going to have to find a solution to that. And back to what you said earlier, the point is that Got to start getting back and keeping clean sheets. Well, that's the key here. Well, we've got to get back to keeping clean sheets. But don't forget, not not that long ago, we were playing Roy Allen Davis as central defenders. Yeah, so we, we've had we've had our issues. You know what I mean? And, and our midfield was decimated mm. as well. So we were just muddling through. We've just got to try and get back to what we had earlier in the season. Those first ten games. But yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and we, we've got a few new bodies coming in now as well. So. Yeah, I think we got we got a run of home games coming along now, Rick. Three three home games on the trot. That's right. Yeah, three home games on the trot now. Yeah. Yep. So now now's the time to try and, and and sorry, the other thing as well. Don't forget we played uh, Wednesday night. 
yeah. Saturday morning turnaround. That is a short spell to turn around. So and I hate twelve thirties, um, Vast. I hate these twelve yeah, thirties, mate. They're horrible. They're horrendous. They're the worst. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that, that's probably got something to do with it too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's down. It's get back on the training pitch. Get people fit. Get people energized, and and we go yeah. from there. It's always been my dream to to play in the Premier League, the best league in the world. It's a really good club uh, with a great uh, manager and a really hungry and uh, young team who plays uh, really really uh, good football, and it's really really fun to watch. So it's a pleasure for me to join this big club. Feels like it's a beginning of an era, and with a really great coach, Ange. He's a really, really great man and a really great coach, and he gives a lot of young players a chance to to make it in the big stage. I am a young player, and I know that, but I really like to to help the team to get the best best out of it. Growing up, football was everything with my with my two brothers. We. Grew up playing a lot of football on the backyard and everything. My mom uh, played in the first division as well in in Djurgården and my dad also played on a pretty high level in in Sweden. Growing up as a child, I always watch watch the Prem games, you know. So it's it's always been football. I would say I'm a box to box player who really likes to have uh, the ball at at my feet and uh, to take it forward into the pitch. I really like to captain. I did that a lot when I was young and uh, growing up. Uh, captain your boyhood club. Every team needs a leader, and you have a lot of them here. So I just want to to join them and uh, and help the team. I think it's or I know it's it's time for me to move on to the biggest stage, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be so good to start. And you're going to move to London. Yes, move to London. That's exciting. Next level from Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs>Spurs have completed the signing of the Swedish youngster Lucas Bergvall. The midfielder will join Spurs in a deal worth around eight and a half million. He'll link up with Potokoglu's first team squad in the summer. He could have been a medical on Friday in a move that sees Spurs, of course, end the window with three players coming in, of course, him to join in the summer. He's a player that has earned rave reviews in his home country. Thus, in comes the attention of Barcelona as well as other clubs. But despite the law of joining the Spanish Giants, the midfielder has opted to put pen to paper on a five-year deal with Tottenham Hotspur. Um, worth me mentioning that, he said on joining the club, it's a fantastic thing to sign for Tottenham, a dream to have the opportunity to play in the Premier League. I have received an incredible welcome and reception from the club and feel really good to be here. He went on to say, I'm incredibly excited about the opportunity to play for the football club. And he's a really great man, a great coach. It's a hungry team. It feels like it's the beginning of a new era. I'm a box-to-box midfielder who likes the ball at his feet. And I also consider myself to be a leader too. Big words there. Let's hope he lives up to them. We'll see more of him in the summer. Guys, a final question to you all. Jace, in terms of where this leaves us in terms of the quest for the top four, you got any concern that games like that today ultimately are the games that really, I know given they've got a 10-point deduction, they would be sitting mid-table, but any real concern for you, Vasquez there, we've got three home games up to come. Spurs can still finish in amongst that top four? I said right the season, I think we've got a great chance to do it. Um, I, I still believe we have. Like I say, other teams drop points late on in games. You only know the value of them come the end of the season. If we finish fourth this season, or even if fifth was to nick that, that Champions League spot, I think that's more or less where I would expect us to have finished at the start of the season, despite Kane leaving. 
I think if you rewind it to the season preview, I said I think we could finish in that fourth or fifth spot. I still think there's a great chance to do it. It's you know if we've got three home games coming up now, there and Brighton's next. Brighton's next on the list. I think we know how, how poor we were against Brighton, and we know that they can pick holes in you. So you know let's get let's get seven nine points on that board from those next three home games, particularly if it's nine points, and we'll be in a great position without all the distraction. Yes, I wanted to, to go on a proper cut run and that, but we have got time to put our feet up. Let's not forget that there are so many teams around us that have got European football, That's really football European football, and now that they're in the, the stages where I think uh, Unai wants to win something, they'll start picking stronger teams in midweek. West Ham will pick stronger teams in midweek. You know, Liverpool will start picking stronger teams in midweek as they go for it now that they're at that group stage. So, you know, when we're sitting at home with our feet up, other teams are playing lots of football that are in and around us. And I think it gives us a, a great chance. And just just time on that training pitch, I think, is huge for us. That's yeah. for sure. And we, 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 it shows today that we still need it. And, you know, when Sonny's back, he hasn't played with Werner yet. So there's, there's the dynamics and things like that still to work on. Players slowly coming back from injury. Sars now back. Um, Madison will, will get better. He just needs game time. Benzenker will get better. So, yeah, I, I think... You know, don't don't get too downhearted just because we've we've ended up drawing today a, a game that we looked like we'd have won. I totally agree on that. I mean, cracks bringing you in. Um, look, you said earlier these are the games Spurs are going to have to convert to obviously get three points, and if we are mm-hmm. going to hopefully have a really positive end to the season. You mentioned it there. Kulu starting off at the moment. Worth mentioning as well. Saar, Madison, and Bedsicle yet to just start together as a three. That's going to be exciting. Son to come back in. Any concerns for you, Cracks, that given what we've got available to us, and as Vass mentioned, three home games to come, Spurs can go on a really good run between now and the end of the season and still get that full place? Or yeah, third place? I, think, I, I think over the next four or five games, and as Jay said, plenty of time on the training pitch instead of travelling to the far-flung uh, ends of Europe and, and even in the Cup, then those new partnerships, which they are, and coming back from injuries and coming back from competitions, you could find over the next four or five games, we have one or two bumpy results within that whilst that settles and gels. But get to that last nine, ten games if if we've got everybody back and if we've sorted out those sort of son... Uh, Richarlison dynamics and the Benton Coeur Madison dynamics and get that fire in, we could be in a really, really good position in that last nine to ten games in the running to uh, to to go on and do something. Having said that, in our running is quite difficult, if I remember rightly. We've got some tough old games at the end of the season. So that does make that this next four or five, especially with three at home, quite crucial so if we can get a bit of a buffer going but um yeah if we make make top four make champions league for next season that's that's absolutely huge given uh, a new manager coming in a new philosophy the loss of the real talisman in the club and our goal scorer just to even be in and amongst around that in a first season um, will be an, an incredible improvement and, and achievement. So I, I think I think we can do it. I've not seen, other than Liverpool, Man City, um, and the mob down the road in here and now, 
nobody's really pulling any trees up. Absolutely no reason why we can't go and, and do it. And I'll be delighted if we do. I think it signals real progress. And if, if you look as well, just, just at it, our points per game would see us get 72 points. 72 points gets you top four football for sure. Yeah. yeah. So really and like that. we're on target for 72 points with the disruption that we've had. I, I know lots of teams have had disruption in fairness. It's not just us. Brentford in the week have had some, some disruption and that. Um, so most teams have had that, but 72 points. And like I say, some of those in and around us will now get back into Europe. Well, they'll, they'll get the inconsistent results. They'll come back from a Wednesday or a Thursday and drop points at Sheffield United and things like that. So, you know, don't, don't get too downhearted because of what's happened today. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, again, what Cracks was referring to earlier, Roddy says it there for us. Exactly. Uh, Even yeah. that, Ron, Newcastle, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, how many of those teams will be in Europe around quarterfinals and semifinals those yeah. weeks? It's a really important you know, point to make that. From Arsenal may well have gone to Bayern Munich in the first leg or something. Then they're coming back to a North London derby with Bayern Munich in the second leg straight after it. So, yeah. you know, that, that when it's written down on paper, looks tough, but... Mm. There's lots of disruptions and things that happen in and around that time. FA Cup semi-finals are in that time as well. So you know, don't don't panic at just those four fixtures written down. A great point to make there, Jason. Vast to close it with you. Give me your thoughts. I mean, like I say, mate, I always love to have you on here whenever we can make it work. Um, coming towards now, this business end of the season, you still fairly confident, Vast, that given what we've gone through as a group, suspensions, injuries, and again, these late goals can't get away from it from Tottenham. Eight conceded in stoppage time. That's got to stop, as we said earlier. That's enough there for you to believe Tottenham are still worthy of getting that Champions League place between now and the end of the season. Well, yeah, that's got to be the aim, and I, I think, I think it's there. And albeit that we've not been playing great lately, we, we're picking up points, and people say that's a sign of a good team when they're not playing well and picking up points. Great so point. hopefully yeah. that is the case. And um, you know, if we, we've all said in various uh, ways today that we've got to get our injured players back, match fit again. We're going to get, you know, people like Bissouma back and Son back and people are going to start learning to play with each other and everything else. So you got to hope that off the back of that, the standard of play improves, the quality of play improves and the performances improve and then so do the results. And then hopefully we do build up a little bit of a buffer. And by the time we, we have this difficult run that Jason just um, mentioned there, we, you know, we're back into a bit of a groove again and, and feeling confident about going into those games and everything changes. I mean, listen, a week is a long time in football. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> Been oh, a fan for a long time. So things yeah. can change quickly. So well, fingers crossed, I think we'll, we'll be there or thereabouts, absolutely. I mean, and Vassar, very quickly, mate, we find your dulcet tones over at the Dr. Tottenham podcast on a weekly basis as well. Mate, where can we check that out and find you guys for those that want to check the Dr. Tottenham podcast out? Yeah, those that want to give us a listen or a view, we are on YouTube. We're also wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Amazon Music, uh, the whole kind of canoodle. Uh, come and give us a listen. It's uh, it's a good crack sometimes. I think you'll enjoy it. Thank Thanks for having well, me on, by the way, Ricky, and for plugging the pod. Appreciate pleasure, it. Pleasure, mate. Pardon the pun there. Good crack. You get it. Yeah. crack from earlier <laughs> in the week. Guys, thank you so much. Just one thing I do want to bring attention to that we are delighted on last one, Spurs, to have repowered with NordVPN. Um, this will give you the opportunity look, for those that are looking at the time at the moment to get away on holidays. Um, Jason's got one in Thailand coming up very, very soon. Uh, if you're looking to save money on flights, if you're looking to get away and obviously have the opportunity to, to have a bit of discount on tickets, you can change 
your virtual location settings. It works really good as well for, of course, when you watch football overseas or with regards to taking away what you want to do in the UK elsewhere. Having Nools a really, really good tool to handle. So my advice is go and check those out. We've got a discount at the moment running. That's nullvpn.com forward slash LWS. But we'll be back for you during the week for a very special last one on Spurs coming your way. Crack, Jace involved in that one. Even I'm now saying crack. I've got to stop doing that. <laughs> um, but look, thank you so much for your support from Vass, from Jason, from myself here. Look, keep on fighting, guys. We will get the results. Go on, Chase. Don't call him crack because you got crack and sack at the same time. It's not a good sign, mate. <laughs> as long as back's not in there, we'll be all right, mate. I tell you. <laughs> I felt like a back sacking crack at the end of that game. I tell you, the 2 2. Look, guys, uh, thank you so crack, much for your support. Crack back and sack, Rick. I think there's a shit quiz coming up here. <laughs> See you on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.